What's going on? Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. Today we're going to break down UFC Fight Night, Holly Holm versus Mira Bruno Silva. And we're going to do our best not to fall asleep like y'all at home. But as always, go down, like, and subscribe. Comment your thoughts on this card and comment your picks on this card. These are your hosts. I'm Paul Pickenwin. I'm Concha and I'm joined with. Hey, man, you already know it's your boy, Kev. Water boy, your boy, a.k.a. the Dom P.Y.E. Also known as the realest motherfucker on your screen. And no cap. How I'm tired of you dissing Holly Holmes. Don't get me wrong. We do go to sleep during these cards, but we don't say that. We just let it just we, we be chilling. We respect Holly Holmes being 40, 40 years old, fucking motherfuckers up like she has been these last couple of days. These last couple of motherfucking cards that she's headlined. And I don't know, man. She helping make the apex great again. I can't be mad at Holly Holmes. Right. It's 2023. We should not be seeing a Holly Holm main event. It was bad enough. I was saying the same thing in 2022, but here we are a year later. And USC has not learned from their mistakes. And like you're gonna follow up such a banger of a card with this this atrocity. My one thing about it is the fact niggas dude said an atrocity, but um, my one thing about it is the fact that like. She keeps on winning. Like, I understand that she was, like, damn fucked up, but she's damn near about to be number one contender in this division again. Like, Well, you see, we got fresh talent. Not even fresh. I mean, Silva's been around the block, but this is her second, her, like, second wind in the promotion, like you shall say. So we'll see how that fight goes down. But I am actually pretty looking forward to, because we're supposed to see him last week, International Fight Week. We didn't get to see him. But coming back-to-back weeks, Jack Della Mandeli, or Mandela, Versus Hafayer or Hafez, and uh, she's that person. I know his last name is Hafez. I might put. I might put mm-hmm. Basil Hafez. I was gonna say, we got a crazy ass name to be American. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely like a, he's Spanish, and I can't. I don't know if he's Mexican or well, I know he's definitely South American or, or Mexican. But his UFC debut going up against a top fifteen guy in Jack. And honestly, Jack is a massive favorite for a reason. He should win this fight. He's a fill-in fighter because the last guy that went up against him. Uh, prayers to him. Hopefully he gets better. But he had an uh, emergency. He almost died on, on died during fucking weigh-ins and everything. But Jack, oh. the only thing that makes this fight scary, people point out, and is a good point-out thing, is this is Jack's back-to-back because he made weight last week. And then he's going to make weight again. And if anyone remembers the Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje fight when Tony Ferguson made weight back-to-back weeks and then ended up fighting Justin Gaethje and got absolutely obliterated, pulverized. It, it was, like That's the last time I think I've seen that some fighter do that. Maybe Jack's a little different, but that's the only thing that worries me with this is he's going to have to make, he's going to make the weight twice in back-to-back weeks and cut. That's not good for your body, your chin, your cardio, everything else. And Hafez can hit like a truck from everything I've seen. So I'm still rooting for Jack. So it's funny, right, man? See, please, Paul, I'm not sending you to go tell nobody that I'm in the hospital. You're going to be like, hey, man, I'm going to be in that bitch for like a motherfucking a routine flu shot or a routine checkup. You're going to be like, hey, man, I don't know, man. And they're going to tell me like, hey, we saw something. We need to just stay over the night. No worries. They're going to tell your ass in the emergency room. You're going to be like, yeah, bro, he's fucked. He was only supposed to be in there for an hour. Now he's been not to say he got to stay tonight. I think he's about to die. <laughs> yeah, I think you might. R.I.P. I, I think he's about to die. All the funeral homes, make arrangements, just get this shit going. 
I'm telling you, man. Let's get this shit cracking. Now, hey, you want to cremate him? He did say something about wanting to be um, wanting to get his ashes spreaded in Dagestan or something. But um, thank you. But this fight is interesting. I mean, JDM is a baller. He's a dude, and I don't know shit about Hafez. I never even heard of bro. So like, I definitely respect the fact that he took this fight out of nowhere. And I think that cutting weight is an issue. But I do also think that JDM is a professional. So hopefully he's not doing like a terrible weight cut where it's like he has to push it in all at the last second. He's like, he probably has a good nutritionist, a good person making his food, understands that this is where you want to be at. He was water loading. So I do like that, the example of Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje, but we got to remember that was fucking Justin Gaethje. Like, and that was one of the most technical fights Justin Gaethje's fought before he fought physique. So like, it was like, it was you can kind of understand a little bit. So I do want to see what JDM does in this fight. I want to see if he looks good. But I just want to see if I'm him, I'm getting um Hafez out there early. Like I'm trying, I'm getting the fuck up out of there. I'm not dealing with the fuckery. Cause I've I've been waiting too long for this fight. I done had three different opponents. And I can't even be mad at my last opponent because bro literally motherfucking um he had a medical emergency. So like I don't know, man. He got his last his last fight was against um Randy Brown. That was a sub in the first. And he has literally one, two, three, three knockouts, three first round knockouts in a row. And then those last one, his um fight before that was a unanimous decision in the contender series. Like, I think JDM's gonna get him out of there. And if I was a betting man, I would bet a lot of money that he gets him out of there in the first. Yeah, I mean the one thing that separates JDM from a lot of these other welter is hand speed. And he can drop you, hurt you. He got power behind the hands, and he just has insanely fast hands. And and that, but still, Hafez seems to be a striker. He got heavy hands. JDM can be hit, so I want to see if he shows a little bit more defensive uh, capabilities and not get hit. What meanwhile teeing off like he does, and I wouldn't be shocked if first round finish. Like this guy's coming. From nowhere to get this fight, and I mean, no, no discredit to him. I just don't know much about him, but I mean, uh, it's just a big leap to go from uh, a lower name promotion to a top fifteen guy, where a lot of people are giving him like title contender in the future. So we are, we could be, we could be showing up for maybe one of the biggest upsets in UFC ever, because I don't even see a fucking betting line for this right now. Like I don't, the books don't even know what to set the odds at here, and. I mean, we saw some crazy shit happen last week. And uh, so I maybe carry uh, over. Who knows? I don't know. We also saw Bo, Nucky, Bo Nickel terrorize fucking Val Woodburn in like, what, a minute and a half? So, like, I don't seconds. know, man. And you know, I was just talking like, a couple episodes ago about how, like, I hate the UFC ain't shit for out here putting, um, it was the Sean Strickland episode, motherfuckers, for putting up um these people from lower promotions against motherfucking top 15ers. And, like, this is exactly what's going on. Don't get me wrong. It was forced. They didn't mean to. And, like, I also feel for motherfucking JDM because, like, you went from fighting at you at International Fight Week to a fight night, which everything happens for a reason. Well, but Holly's <laughs> whole main event in 2023, way to mighty have fallen. Nah, man. Put respect on my dog home. Watch her get a nice little team. We're going to get into that. Bond to the next fight, man. Other fight, shout out real quick, Kostan, 16-0 prospect, Azat Maksum. But going up against UFC veteran at flyweight, Tyson Nam, 
Turn, he's gonna be forty real soon. Still only thirty nine. Still good. He's not. He's not at the forty mark yet. But uh, Azat to minus four twenty. Tyson Nam what plus plus three twenty, and the only way like Azat's combined record of opponents that he's fought sixteen and zero at the Octagon um, promotion and some of the other promotions they have a combined record of like seventy and fifteen. Something around those numbers. It the numbers vary depending on what if you're using topology, if you're using ESPN, like the the record kind, of, the number kind of varies. But basically, seventy and fifteen. So he's not fighting jobbers. He's not fighting trash cans. He's fighting people who are actually good in the promotion. And one of the guys he's fought and beat has former UFC experience fighting Mikolas Nikolau or Mateus Nikolau, who we saw Brandon Royval just beat. But Nikolau's a top five guy in the weight class. So, like, he beat him as well. And him and Nikolau, I would think, went to the decision, whereas uh, Azat finished him in, like, the first or second round. And he's another Kazakhstan warrior, coming like Shak Rachmanov, Valentina Shevchenko. There's not a lot of these fighters. I mean, Div Damar Ismogulov is another one. What I was Ismogulov. That was the one that fought not so long ago. Yeah, Ismogulov. Like, they usually come well-rounded and pretty prepped for the UFC. And... He seems to be another one in that flyweight. It's so wide open in that weight class, but he 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 can do it on the ground. He can submit you real deal submissive skills, and he can strike. He likes to really like walk forward and strike with you. The only thing is, is he he's gonna have to work on his defense because he does get hit a lot, and he does a uh, he does get caught in submissions, but he's able to get out of them. Like he's able to keep 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 him keep moving. Keep and get out of the keep rolling and eventually get onto the top, but it it's also like yeah once you get to that top fifteen like you might get caught in the submission you might get knocked out so he's still young there's a great test against Tyson Nam who like I said forty years old is the UFC standard at flyweight and Tyson Nam does have a mean left hook where like I said Azak does like to get caught with punches this will be a good test to see if his chin is UFC caliber. Respect, respect, respect. I'm dang. Now I gotta tap in with Brady. Yeah, I mean he's a massive favorite for a reason. One of the safer bets, I think, on the night. Another prospect who was, I mean, this is two prospects, but one on the rise and one that just seems to just keep falling. We got Nazim Sadikov versus Terrence T. Rex McKinney. Last year, if we would have had this episode midway through last year, we've been sitting here talking about T. Rex the future. This guy's legit at lightweight. Look at him. He was highlight real worthy. And I think we were. And now it's like he's coming off a fucking KO of the year type of loss to Bonfim. And then Bonfim loses to St. Denise. And now it's kind of left in the wood. How how good is Bonfim? But Terrence McKinley plus 120, small underdog to Seti Cops minus 145. And... It should be a fun one, honestly. One of the closer fights on the card that I don't know where who who really to lean on is. Are people just out on Terrence McKinney and they're undervaluing him, or is Sadikov really a legit prospect and T Rex is a thing of the past? Bro, you know what's crazy? I was really, 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 really high on motherfucking Bonfim. Somebody knocked out T Rex. I thought it was very similar to like Ilya Bryce Mitchell getting fucked up by Ilya Taporia. Like you feel me? But now, after seeing Bonfim get fucked up last week, like you said, or two weeks ago, like you said, now I'm thinking, like, how good is Terrence McKinney, really? I mean, he's one of the blunt bros. He's he's a switch fighter. 
He yeah. has the reach. He's long as fuck, has the reach. But I don't know how good my dog is. And he's the motherfucking underdog in this fight. Yeah, and Salikov's coming off. He's 2-0 in the UFC, both KOs. The last one, a doctor stoppage. But he got knocked down early in the fight. So that's something to remember. He did get caught himself. And honestly, that fight could have went either way before the doctor stoppage and he got the TKO win. So I honestly like the value of T-Rex as an underdog. Um, uh, like I, The way I said Bonfim was like a minus 400 favorite against St. Denise, and I was saying this fight's a lot closer in the odds. I just think people are betting a lot on Bonfim, and bookmakers have big odds on him because everyone's riding the Bonfim wave. And I'm taking that same logic here where everyone's kind of hopped off the T-Rex wave. So now he's an underdog and a, against an opponent who's still wet behind his ears in the UFC. And I think T-Rex, I don't think I'll ever say this, but again, but T-Rex is the veteran option here in the fight. And I think he'll have a little bit more experience. He's been caught before. He's been He's been caught slipping a couple times. And I don't think he's going to go in there and bang. I think he's going to start using his reach to his advantage, and we might see him look pretty good here. I think this is when he finally gets to fine-tune some things. He's already had – he already tasted defeat a couple times. I like him as an underdog. Yeah, I fuck with bro. I'm not going to lie. I'm a chance – I'm still – even though I don't know about his skill set, I am a Terrence McKinney fan. I am. I was the one screaming he might be – he's out here wrecking shit, fucking shit up when he was doing his thing. Before the loss to Bumpham. And I also follow Brown on Twitter. He's funny as fuck. So hopefully he comes through, is focused, gets this win. And I I don't know too much about the um Saad Kahas. He's a South Paul striker that has he does have heavy hands too. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm wondering if T Rex is gonna have to wrestle this motherfucker or like continuously switch stances, never let really let him get comfortable. But it's a three-round fight, and that is a good underdog on T-Rex. So we take a T-Rex. Yeah. And then our main eventer of the night, the one that's packing the seats, the reason why you're here, the preacher's daughter, Holly Holm, going up against Myra Myra Bruno Silva. And what is almost a pick em, Holly Holm, minus 170, slight favorite, to Silva's plus 145. is a 10-year age difference. Holly Holm, 41. Silva, 31. Holly Holm does have the longer reach, but I mean, I I'm just tired of watching her in main events at this point. Uh, I do think it's a good fight. I do think this is a good fight to have on like a main card or something. But I just don't think this is a main event fight. But I can't, I can't complain any more than that. Del Silva, she's a submission artist. Both she's coming off of two back to back subs. She even um her UFC debut was against the red headed. Gillian Robertson, who we know is a great submission artist herself, she submitted her in her UFC debut. So, like, she's really good on the mat. She is more – she does like to strike with people, but she she once it gets to the clinch and once it gets – maybe hits the mat, she will be very active in trying to get submissions. Yeah, but whenever I look at motherfucking Holly Holmes' record, it's just always so crazy because there's names on here. She's literally fought everybody. But it's like she beats Ronda Rousey because Ronda Rousey was the dumbest motherfucker alive thinking she could strike with a motherfucking former champion boxer. Then then loses to Misha Tate, who fucking who Ronda Rousey probably hated more than anything to see that belt around. 
lost to a young Shevchenko, lost to Romain in a title fight, lost to she's lost to Cyborg in a title fight, and she lost to Amanda Nunez in a title fight. I'm not gonna lie to you. She might go down as like the one have the best resume ever. Like she might not have won all those fights, but like she really hits. Yeah, Nicole Pennington, um, Kate and Vieira, I Irene Aldana, and beat her. Like I, I think. I think this is a legit argument, like because Nunes is the goat when it comes to MMA, and there's a couple of different options for women boxers on who you think's the greatest of all time, but no one's able to do both. Like we see Shields try to go into UFC or MMA, and she didn't really have. She went like one and one or two and one, and we haven't heard much of it again. There's another boxer that did the same thing, but for her, I think she has the the a legit resume to be able to say like I'm the greatest female fighter ever. And she doesn't get finished like that. A lot of the stuff goes to the decision. She got finished by what? Misha Tate sub and then she got finished by Amanda Nunez, but everything yeah. else has been like it's crazy. And then like she honestly like the she lost to Caitlin Vieira, which is a split decision. Good fight. I think everyone thought. I mean, it could have went either way. So, like, let's say that it went the other way. Right now, she's she would be coming off a four fight win streak, knocking off everyone again. So it's just kind of like she's a hard person to place because she can beat you if you're not really a top fiver. But we don't really care to see her fight a top fivers anymore. So she's it's a, it's a weird spot for her because like a top five person doesn't gain anything really out of beating Holly Holm right now. Like it's just like okay, like I beat Holly Holm. She's been here. But at the same time, she keeps knocking off these youngins. Nah, for real. So what's up with Bueno Silva, man? What's she got going on? She's just really good. Like, she strikes. She's a slick striker. She seems to kind of enjoy it, too. Like, you know, some of these submission people don't enjoy striking. She seems to enjoy it. And she likes to throw the leg kick, the body kick, and, like, kind of mix it up. But then her, her real – Bread and butters, and she like you shoot a takedown on her. She's on her back, submits you. She, uh, and she uh, she's in the clinch. She kind of gets you on the stand up in her where she wants you, and like she can see has really nasty submission game. And like this fight can either go Holly Holm, I think, dominating on the top for a lot of the fight, or if Holly Holm gets reckless with her because she's just I don't think anyone's gonna be able to outpower her in this weight class right now, and Holly Holm. Might get caught with a submission, I think. I think that that's how I see the fight going. I see Holly Holm getting comfortable winning most of the fight and then like third round get maybe get caught in a nasty submission. And uh we see a, a new fighter um, kind of emerge out of this weight class. See, I would usually be I would usually fear that. But it doesn't look like she has much five round experience. Mm-mm. But she does also train out of American top team, so she trains with hitters all fucking day anyways. So I don't know. I think that's how that this fight would play out, best case scenario for her. But um, if Holly Holm is smart, she uses her um, she uses her motherfucking um, experience and her and her such a high fight IQ, it has a takedown defense. It doesn't really let that shit go to the ground. I'm gonna have to take Holly Holm, man. I think she can strike this bitch out, and I think this is gonna be another UD, or at least a decision. All right, yeah, no, I can't argue that either because I say it could either if she doesn't catch a submission, I do see a five round or Holly Holm decision coming. Like if it like I think her only way of winning is through the submission. And then I feel like if she does get the submission, that the fool that she's gonna act on the podcast, he's gonna be like, 
See, this is why I like Bueno Silva. I was I was ready to go to sleep till she got that submission. Yeah, well, what? Hey, you already know me. I'm gonna talk my shit. <laughs> I got to. But now nah, this is gonna be a good card, man. But nah, dog. But let me know. Have you watched any of the Ultimate Fighter yet? I have not, and I every time I'm about to actually go watch it, I just keep getting reminded like people tell me how ass the season is, and I'm just like. I think I'm going to go watch this instead real quick. So, I didn't watch the episode. I haven't watched the episode yet because it literally just came out an hour ago. But I want to see. So, yeah, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it yet, so I don't know what happened. But um, I watched the motherfucking uh, documentary for the Ultimate Fighter throughout the years when they came back from, like, hiatus or some shit. And, bruh! I forget how many hitters have gone through the Ultimate Fighter. Like, you start off with Forrest Griffin, then the next year it was Rashad Evans, and then Nate Diaz was in this motherfucker. And I didn't know that Jens Pover and um Nick Diaz were good friends. So Nate Diaz winning that bitch on um winning that bitch on Team Pover was lit, motherfucker. You had seasons with who else was on that bitch? Yair Rodriguez was on that motherfucker. Juliana Pena. Like, there's some hitters. Like. Usman. Tony Ferguson, Kamaru Usman, and it, and then it hit me like, and there are a lot of people that didn't even win and still ended up having good careers like Paulo Acosta, motherfucking Brandon Moreno, like oh Pantoja came through too also, yeah Pantoja motherfucking, and then there were some dickheads like there's there's um a dude they were I can't remember what season he was dang I, I always forget his name but there was a dude that literally got to the main event. He was the first person to ever get kicked off the show at the main event because he fucking got drunk with the homies, kicked out of limousine, kicked the window out of the limousine, went to the went into the hotel lobby, started motherfucking harassing motherfuckers. And when they tried to, my security said to him, he said, bro, you know who I am? I'm a fucking UFC fighter. I was like, wait a minute. You didn't get the contract yet, homie. <laughs> you an MMA fighter right now, playboy. Nah, but that first season was crazy. Like, a lot of shit that happened, like, Bro, they gave Dana White gave like they said Dana White probably gave one of the best speeches <laughs> in sports TV history. They talking about some that shit sound like something Vince Lombardi would have said because motherfuckers didn't know but act like they didn't know they had to fight for um in the um in the first season. So they literally looked James like, bro, do you want to be a fucking fighter or not? And like bad and like to this day, motherfuckers still look back at it. So the Ultimate Fighter throughout the years has been a great show. But I think now, like, the the state of MMA, the fact that people take this so seriously because they know they can make thousands to six-figure paychecks, even million-dollar paychecks, by taking the sport so seriously and the popularity growing and knowing it's not going anywhere, it's a little tougher to have those, like, ragtag motherfuckers that's all that's going around motherfucking pranking niggas, getting drunk every night. Like, this season's literally, is literally prospects who aren't really prospects. They're just motherfuckers that haven't got a UFC chance. And motherfuckers that have had a chance in the UFC and got kicked. Like, nobody's going to risk their shit. Like, these motherfuckers have been waiting their whole lives to do this. And these motherfuckers have been waiting to fucking do it again. Like, one somebody on somebody on Michael Chandler's team already won the Ultimate Fighter before. And he's back. Type See, shit. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think we'll ever get to that real essence of the Ultimate Fighter where people really enjoy it, unless it becomes something more low budget, more reality based, 
for real people, not people that are already probably making a good amount of money. And I have a way of getting to the UFC outside of this. I think, I still think it should be the slap fighters. And these slap fighters, put it like, they're not, like, give them, like, they're fighting for like $5,000 to begin with, like, in their normal thing. So you make it like a, a winner gets 50 grand. Like, yeah, that's a lot of money. But these people, I feel like they're still like to their core. Like, they haven't changed yet. They don't know the cameras are on them like how MMA, UFC people do. And I think we will get some funny, hilarious-ass moments. Where, and I think they still getting drunk. Like, I think they'll be at the crib, especially because they don't have to make weight. They have, they have weight classes, but it's not it's not as strict as UFC where you're cutting weight and stuff. Like, these motherfuckers will be sitting there talking shit, drinking. They might be smacking each other on camera before the fight. But, bro, I smack harder than you. No, you don't. I smack harder than you. No, that's a fucking fire idea. I didn't even think about some shit like that. I think um, I think the downfall of this shit is because Dana White has an entire contender series. Like you're not gonna see no Bo Nickel on the motherfucking um on Ultimate Fighter. You're not gonna see a fucking Jamal Hill on the Ultimate. The Fighter. super prospects, the people that yeah. already have a buzz and name that can carry over into the prospect world. Like they're coming from other right. promotions and stuff. They're big. Motherfuckers, these motherfuckers had Kimbo Slice on on the Ultimate Fighter. This, if this was the case today, they're sending Kimbo Slice to the Contender Series, and he's still getting washed. But motherfucking, they're not sending them boys to the Ultimate Fighter. So that's what it is. Like you got it. Ultimate Fighter used to be the best like fighters in this country type show, like the best prospects they could find in the world. Now it's like not the B team, but it's not their best hitters. No, it ain't. Sad to say, like I said, how the mighty have fallen. It'd be like that sometimes, but it is good TV. I get to see Connor talk for like 10 minutes an episode. Because I swear they don't put enough emphasis on Connor, but like it's not about Connor. It's the entire thing. But if you wanted to make money, you wanted this shit to sell, you're supposed to hit out Connor. And it's crazy because everybody's making a big deal that this season was going to be on ESPN itself. Now what? Like it's, it's airing on ESPN, and ESPN is never taking that risk again. Nope. And people want to say it's marketing and marketing and marketing. I'm like, I just don't think that it's not the product that the team, that people they're marketing to want to watch. And a lot of these things that we really cared about, we could see most of these people's backstories on YouTube. Like, like if we really want to watch documentaries, like, I don't know. It's just, it's not the same thing where you don't get the. Also, that's another big thing. Social media and YouTube, where you get to see these fighters twenty four seven on their own podcast for this and that. Back in the day, if you wanted to see Rampage Jackson and Rashad Evans, you could only see them when they were on. Like, oh shit! Like you didn't see them, but how they lived their daily lives. You just saw random videos that made its way to the internet, and then the episodes of Ultimate Fighter where they're the host. Like that was the only time you ever got like, oh, how do these people act on everyday life? Deadass and Rampage is a fucking joke. He is a fucking... This man makes... is the funniest motherfucker I've ever seen. Like, they put chickens in Rashad Evans' car. Oh, yeah, no. Their pranks were fucking legendary. And they're, they're, they're one of the best things. Like I was saying, but, like, nowadays, you see them on a podcast for Joe Rogan, podcast for other people. Fucking... You can just go on YouTube, type in Rampage. Does any one of these... Michael Chandler or any... And I can watch... Who I could find out who they are really without having to watch Ultimate Fighter. Hell yeah. But that's the Ultimate Fighter main. Vince, hopefully they do better. They take Paul's idea for the power slap. We won't even charge you. Free, just bro. I didn't want to watch some good TV, baby. There it goes, man. But 
if you didn't know, man, this has been a totally blitz podcast. Powell, you got anything else you want to let him know, man? Nah, I'm ready to get up out of here. The executive producer said he got to fucking go. So what we going to let you know is that this has been the Totally Biz Podcast. You feel me? My name is Kev Waterboy Savoy. I'm in this bitch with Paul Pickham with him concert. I'm flexing because we all the way up. You feel me? And if we going to get, we had to drop down that UFC Fight Night, Home versus Silver. Tune in. Don't fall asleep. Take a nap before. Watch the prelims. Because there's probably going to be some bangers on this motherfucker. But in the meantime, I'm going to get to the bag. Paul going to take care of his family, but we going to remind you that she's a bitch.